Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. This is a podcast of conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. Here with me today is Dr. Chris Jones, founder and director of Hospital, which is all about better management of healthcare staff by allowing better communication. Chris is like the double thread of health tech, a software developer slash computer programmer turned doctor, which means that the software solutions he creates directly address the needs of clinicians and solve some genuine problems in healthcare. Since founding Hospital, he's thrived on the excitement of running a health tech business and the joy that comes from seeing others love the software that he builds. Hey, Chris, how are you going? Going well, Peter. Good, good. We could release a whole episode of us trying to work out Zoom beforehand, but I think that would be a very boring episode. We've worked it out and we're here. So good on us. It will be a good chat. Yes. No, I've enjoyed Zoom over this whole lockdown. I don't know if you've had any of the events where you catch up with another couple and you've agreed ahead of time you'll buy this bottle of wine and that bottle of wine. And then over the Zoom meeting, you drink the wine and eat some cheese and biscuits and talk about the wine. It's quite a fun thing to do. Oh, wow. I've not done the matching of wine thing. I think that's a great idea. And and I see no reason for us not to continue these types of things. <laughs> it makes for a very efficient cheese and wine evening. So we'll have to write that one down. Love it. And you don't have to work out how you get home either. Yeah, that's true. You just have to get upstairs. Hey, look, we're not here to talk about cheese and wine though. Oh, we can. It's up to us. It's our episode. It's all about Hospital today. I'd love to hear a bit more about the story and, and everything that you do. But let's start it off. Give us the overview. What is Hospital? Who's it for? And, and what problem does it solve? Hospital is an online tool for managing healthcare staff. It, its predominant focus is rostering, making sure that you have enough staff for the various healthcare activities you need filled and making sure those people know that they've got those tasks to do or those duties to do. And it started for me when I started as a staff specialist 20 years ago, back when most of this was done with bits of paper and they had problems where they'd build a roster and then someone would apply for leave and they didn't realize they were on leave and on the roster at the same time and it would be middle of the night and they'd ring up the doctor and he wouldn't answer his phone because he was in Banff. (laughs) And the professor of the department said, look, you know, the internet, surely we can do something better than this. And he asked me to do it. And that was the start. And and those are the problems that solves, making sure that you've got the right people on the roster at the right time and they know that they're supposed to be in a place or ready to come in when needed. Got it. Give us more insight into your background, Chris. I mean, I make a joke often to people that I'm neither a doctor or a developer, but I somehow get along really well with both. But you're actually both. That's the real deal. Can, can you give us that story? Well... When I was about 10, which was before anyone in Australia really had computers, my father bought a personal, what was called a personal computer back then. Mm. There were only about three or four you could buy and hardly anybody had them. And my dad bought one and I started tinkering around with it and really enjoyed programming. And I programmed in a variety of languages on different platforms over the years. So, for example, before Hospital, I was writing programs on the Palm platform for, for medications because uh, each time for me, it's like I have a, a medical problem in front of me that I think software can solve. 
I just write some software. Hmm. Um, so I was writing programs for the Palm, and then I've written programs for on the App Store for iOS, and and then this is another extension of that. But interestingly, the doctor question is: at, at school, uh, I was a, a fairly studious guy when I wasn't tinkering with computers, and I felt I wasn't spending enough time with humans, and that might not be a, <laughs> a healthy thing. So I decided to take a fairly human-oriented career. Of course, I'm an anaesthetist, which means most of my humans are sleeping. But uh, <laughs> e- even so, I do talk to them uh, beforehand and afterwards. And that's kind of what made me have the, those particular uh, combination of, of things. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, surely back then, if there was only three or four personal computers in Australia, they would have been like freaking expensive. What did your dad do to be able to afford one of these computers? Well, he spent effectively a lot of money on them. I do know that at that time, the price of a personal computer or a laptop or whatever, a bit like a f- the price of a flight to Europe, has been about the same for 30 or 40 years. All right, it's okay. just cheaper and cheaper all the time. So it used to cost about $3,000 to buy a computer back then. Yeah, right. But you could also buy a very good car for that amount of money <laughs> as well. But my father was not someone who had a lot of money, but was very, very interested in the innovation that was coming in personal computers. He was very excited by it. And he went on to do a lot of programming of his own. And he ran a business writing. Basically, he was kind of a consultant that wrote software for all sorts of people. That's what his career became. He was originally an accountant, so he had a lot of familiarity with numbers. But yeah, he he ended up writing software, but he didn't have the power of the internet to get it out there. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, in my teens, I wrote plenty. This was before the internet or before the internet was publicly available. I wrote lots of software, but there was no way to easily distribute it or get it out to people Mm. and sell it. And you know, like you had to put it on a floppy so, yeah, disk. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that made it a lot harder. So my father probably, if he had got into it today, might have made better inroads into software development than, than mm. he did. Yeah. Oh, well, he was on the right path then. My grandfather was all about photography and thought that digital was a passing craze. So he stuck with his old methodologies and all well, that company is not around anymore. But anyway, like the, on Hospital then, rostering and, and software tools, how have all of that evolved in healthcare and, and what's the future of, of that? Well, they have largely moved away from paper. We always say our greatest competitor at the moment is Excel. Hmm. The majority of rosters these days are sitting on Excel spreadsheets on someone's computer or if they're lucky on some sort of shared drive. Hmm. And Excel is a surprisingly powerful piece of software. You can do quite a lot with it. But what you can't do is send someone a text message reminding them they're on call next week. Hmm. You can't do that. It's not easy for people to log in and see what's going on across literally some of our clients can log in and see across seven different hospitals in the greater Sydney area where they're working, what operating room they're in the next day, where Hmm. they're on call next week. You can't get that kind of power. So rostering tools have evolved from paper to things like spreadsheets and now online tools which connect to databases. And I think that's where they are now, though there are still some desktop-based platforms around where most of the work's done on a a desktop application that then publishes it to a sort of readable version online, which Mm -hmm. is not quite so sophisticated as what we do. The future, well, we're hoping before the end of this year to release the next version of our software, which we've rebuilt from the ground up using the latest technologies. And that will then allow us to better leverage things like smartphone applications, which we don't currently support, and also build tools that are incredibly flexible depending on what user requirements are. The big thing is that every group of healthcare practitioners do their rostering differently. They have different views about them. To to take a radical example, we've had people say, oh, 
we want to make sure that when Dr. A is rostered on, Dr. B is rostered on too because they're married and they like to work together wow. at the same time. Yeah. Or even the opposite, yeah. they can't work together at the same time because one has to be at home looking after the kids. Yeah. And that's quite a complex rostering rule to try and build into a piece of software. Sure. But we aspire to be able to have rules around rostering. So when people say, oh, we need to do this really complicated thing, or even Dr. A hates Dr. B, so they can never work together, mm. that we can say, sure, we can do that. Mm. And, and, and hopefully by the end of this year, we'll be there. Wow, that's pretty exciting. That's a good understanding of what problems your customers are facing. So that'd be interesting to see if that progresses. Hey, hospital, a hospital or is it the clinician? Like who actually buys hospital? It is typically bought by a hospital or a group of practitioners. Of the 40-odd clients we have across Australasia, nearly all of them are hospitals, Mm -hmm. but they can also be practices. We have a radiology practice in New Zealand, for example, with a large number of doctors who work together. We have an anaesthetic practice in Victoria, but most of them are hospitals and not individuals. Though the individuals are often the driver, wants to use the software because they are are struggling with managing rosters. There's the people who write the rosters, whose job it is to get the people's names on the paper, Mm. and there's the people on the rosters. They're they're good clinicians. They want to make sure that they're available at the time they should be. But an Excel spreadsheet sitting on someone's laptop is just not a viable way of doing it. So they're trying to get the hospital to say, we need this tool so we can do our job properly. And the hospitals say a range of things like, well, well, it costs money. Why don't you just keep doing it the way you're doing it? Or can't you use some piece of software that they have in place that they pay for but doesn't really solve the doctor's problems? There's this tension between the two, which is, is funny because... If you look at the cost of the staff for any hospital, it's massive compared to the cost of the piece of software. It's tiny. Mm. Or if you even look at, well, what's the risk mitigation you've got here? If you needed a doctor in the middle of the night for something urgent and you couldn't find them and that delayed a patient's care by a quarter of an hour and they had a really bad outcome, the the legal cost of that could be massive. Mm. But it's pretty small thinking not to say, look, our doctors are a critical resource and we need to make sure that a software designed to manage that critical resource can make sure they're available when they need to be available. That makes a lot of sense to me. I can see the value of that. Hey, COVID-19 has impacted everything. What impact has COVID-19 had on rostering in hospitals? Quite a lot. At a simple level, most elective surgery was cancelled at most hospitals across Australia and and probably across the world. And as a result, their normal rosters got thrown out of the window and they had to rethink about how they managed their staff and where people went and what they did. They also had to create new rosters. So in, in my own area, for example, they made teams of anaesthetists whose job was to provide intubating services and in other places more worse hit than Australia, the doctors from other groups normally outside of intensive care medicine had to be pulled into intensive care. And again, that means building rosters and also sometimes needing to contact a lot of people very quickly. And that's one of the things our software allows you to do. You can jump on there and send a text message to 200 doctors all at once and find out where they are and what they're doing and get them involved if you need to. Mm. We've had to help hospitals build entirely new rosters, park their existing rosters, knowing they're going to bring them back at a later date. We also made a decision that we would provide text message services that that not every hospital had access to all hospitals. 
hoping that the communication might benefit everybody. We've had a fair bit of extra support we've had to do, but luckily our business model has meant that we haven't effectively had a downturn. I mean, my office has no one in it now, but a great thing about what we're doing is that, that most of my employees are coders and so they can all be at home and they are, and we've been able to keep doing what we're doing and we can provide all our support remotely. We don't have to be face-to-face. Our, our old business model is perfect for running the way we've always run. But as you can see, there are no coders in this office. They're all at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm the guy here. <laughs> That's good. What about more broadly then? Thinking about health software generally, how do you see that adapting to other areas in the post-COVID-19 world? Well, I think the whole remote meeting thing has been quite transformative. Doctors get together and talk about all sorts of things, whether it's new treatments or therapies or to talk about problems they've encountered and how to deal with them. Um, So a typical meeting I would attend at my hospital might have 30 or 40 anaesthetists in the room talking about a subject. But since we instigated Zoom meetings, we're getting like 80 to 100 people. Mm. And I think almost everybody thinks it's actually a lot better because you don't have to rush to the hospital across town. You don't have to rush home. You can still be around your family and you can walk out of a meeting for five minutes, talk to your kid and come back and that's acceptable and it works okay. Mm. I have this suspicion I mean, I can't talk about all craft groups, but then in my craft group, people may never go back to physical meetings again. Mm. Um, It's not perfect. There are downsides. Certainly, Zoom socializing doesn't work as well because Mm. I've had, I mentioned the the wine, but I've had eight buddies I went to school with Mm. pretending we're in the pub, and that's not the same. Um, But a, a meeting where you normally have one person standing up and everyone's listening and occasionally asking questions works perfectly on Zoom and it actually works better than in the room. So I think it's going to replace it. I don't think anyone's going to go back. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know, but no, no, I no, think I, so. I agree. It's a great equalizer too. Often when you've got one or two people that are remote and you've had a, a team centralized and now everyone's in a same size square on a screen and they've all got the same kind of thing, it, it, all of a sudden it, it takes away a lot of the everything else and puts everyone on the same page and starts to focus on things. And I think, like you say, this is... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in all areas how much of it sticks and how much of it kind of goes back to the way it was. I think more of it will stick. Yeah, definitely some will and some won't. But in health, that's probably one of the bigger things. I think a lot more educational resources have gone online and been made available and the internet's been used sometimes excessively. A lot of doctors refer to the infonami that they get in their email inbox yeah. of COVID stuff. I got to the point where some sort of just start deleting things without even reading it because you're getting a daily alert about COVID. Yeah. Look, it's a big deal, but I don't really need a daily alert. <laughs> so there's a lot of resources being made available online that I think they didn't bother to put online before now, but they're making much more of an effort to do that, mm. which is good. Mm. Hey, lastly, Chris, to round things out, you gave a hint to it really early on in the interview, but but what's on the horizon? What's in the future for Hospital? Well, a combination of things. One is we want to try and update our software. The Part of the reason is it's actually on quite an old legacy code base that has been adapted over the years, but there's a certain point where you really need to, to move forward and embrace the most modern technologies you can. That's one reason. And the other reason is to be able to provide much, much better software. But as part of that, we want to really expand as much as we can. We've been rapidly expanding across Australia. So in the space of three years, we've pretty much doubled or nearly 
tripled our, our number of hospitals and we're now in just about in every state in Australia. We've jumped across to New Zealand. And what we'd be interested in is either finding purchase of the UK or the US, either independently or by mergers or partnerships with other people doing the same kind of thing. Because there are equivalent bits of software everywhere in the world, some more mature than others. The US market is very mature. We're, we're the biggest of our kind in Australia. But we do want to continue to expand. And, and I mean, I, as, as you mentioned from my bio, I, I love writing software that makes a difference. Nothing pleases me more than having people, you know, I'll be at a conference and the Nesters will come up and say, we're already using your software. I just want to come over here and tell you how good it is and how hmm. much better it makes my working life. And that's just gold for me. That's all I want to hear. That hmm. makes me so happy. Hmm. And I, I've been a clinician for a long time, but I've only really been very active in the business for two to three years. And it's something I'm trying to expand on. I want to be more and more a, a, a software developer who provides software to doctors everywhere than a guy sitting in an operating room. But I'm going to continue that. But mm-hmm. it's my hope to, to make it a bigger part of my life because I enjoy it so much. And I've got a great bunch of people that are working with some really, really talented developers. Charles is an incredibly talented commercial side of the business. And so it's great to have a great team that you can really drive the business forward. Mm-hmm. Totally. Look, I'll put some information in the show notes so people can check out more information about Hospital and see the team and learn more about what you're doing and stay up to date. Fantastic story to get you to where you are today, Chris, and and an inspiring vision on where things need to be. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Peter. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Go check out the website, contribute to the forum, listen to other episodes and get in touch with feedback about the show because collaboration starts with a conversation. Speak to you next time.